Hey there, I'm Adam Demetrician, the lead pastor at Pathways Church in Appleton, Wisconsin. And this is our podcast. I hope this message inspires you, feeds your faith, and ultimately leads you into a growing relationship with Jesus. A simple definition of a paradox is this. A paradox is a statement that seems to go against common sense but may still be true. A paradox is something that, that it seems like it goes against common sense, but it may still be true. For example, the more you fail, the more likely you are to succeed. At first blush, you think to yourself, really? Like, if I fail repeatedly, I'll actually succeed? Well, this is a paradox. Just ask Thomas Edison. Over 10,000 prototypes before he invented the light bulb. Or what about Michael Jordan, who was cut from his high school basketball team? Where's that coach today? Probably should be coaching swimming or something, right? (laughs) But yet, the paradox is true because the more you fail in both of those cases, whether it's basketball or in science, the more you fail the more likely you are to succeed. Now, nowhere is the paradox of the gospel more apparent than in Philippians chapter three. And this text has practical implications for our everyday lives. Here's what Paul writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. If you have a Bible today, I wanna invite you to turn with me to Philippians. It's a New Testament little epistle uh, near the back of your Bible in Philippians chapter three, or it'll be on the screens. And I wanna read the text for you. Here's a paradoxical view of the gospel. This is what Paul says. He says, if someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, guess what? I have more. He says, circumcised on the eighth day, the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, I was a Pharisee. I was like head of the class. As for zeal persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. That's what Paul says. But whatever, whatever, whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. Verse seven is a paradox. And what Paul is describing in many ways is a paradoxical view of progress as related to our spiritual growth. It's this paradox of progress. It seems as if Paul is saying in verse seven, whatever Wherever the gains were that I am finding, gaining strength in God, he is saying, at the very same time, I'm losing trust in the things that I used to place my confidence in. He's saying, my bio description, my Twitter handle, my LinkedIn, all of that's on social media and all the networking that I once used to do with my faith, those things are no longer applicable. Really, I'm I'm not trusting in those things as I once did. Now, it kind of makes me think about our lives. How sometimes, like, have you ever noticed, or is it just me? It's hard to make progress in every area of your life all at once, isn't it? You know what I'm talking about? It's really hard to do that because we have endless amounts of tasks and we have just, just a very limited amount of energy to continue to progress in every area of our life. Like, take, for example, uh, spiritually, Uh, or at home, or at work, or in your social life, or in some of your personal hobbies and your leisure. It's hard 
to have progress in every area all at once. Like, so for example, you could be crushing it at work. I mean, you could be a phenomenal job. Things could be blowing up at work. You could be a great boss or a great worker. You launched a new business and things are just fire right now. It's doing so well. And yet you come home and you depleted all of your energy and there's nothing left for your family. And what is most important, you lose out on because it's hard to gain progress in all areas at the same time, right? And yet we know this because we say to ourselves, yeah, but if I didn't have a job and I didn't do well at a job, then I couldn't come home because there would be no home to come home to. And then you think to yourself, yeah, well, then I'm at home and then I really can't bring it at home and you're conflicted because you think, well, if I don't do well at my job, then I'm gonna be standing out in the rain about, you know, blaming on the rain. I'll be lip-syncing Milli Vanilli and talking about, girl, you know it's true. And your wife is gonna be like, yeah, I do know it's true. We have no money, we're broke, destitute, and we're outside. That was my best joke, guys. Guys, I'm talking about paradox. I'm talking about words that I barely can even wrap my mind around. I had to throw in Millie Vanilli. I know I got a little tongue-tied there, but come on now. I even dressed up for you today. True story. You know why I dressed up today? Because I didn't want to dress up on Easter. So I figured for all the Christers that come twice a year, they're like, hell, pastor, you're not dressed up. I say, well, you should have been here on Palm Sunday. That's your fault. Don't come twice a year. I dress up. You need me to dress up? Come on Sunday before. <laughs> Don't tell them that, though. That's, that's not very Christian. <laughs> My point is this. Progress is hard. Everybody say progress is hard. Isn't it? I mean, sustainable progress in our lives, it's difficult. It's really hard. So in my message today, I have uh, three points when it comes to the paradox of progress and spiritual growth and gains that we have in Christ. The first is this. What's most important is least impressive. What's most important is least impressive. Notice what Paul said in verse 8. I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I've lost all things, I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. Question, what day of the week, talk to me, what day of the week do you take out the trash at your house, both recyclables and your regular trash? What day of the week do you take out your trash? Yep, me too. I take it out on that day. Now, Imagine for a moment, I want you to pull up a mental picture in your mind. Everything that you think is so impressive about you, I want you to take, and I want you to take out to the curb in your mind. See, so many times we're living our lives to impress everybody else except what is most important to us. And can I tell you, friends, the most important thing in our lives is to have a deep, abiding, sustaining relationship with Jesus Christ. That is the most important thing. That's why Matthew says in Matthew 6.33, seek ye first the kingdom of God. And all these other things that we run around and we try to spend our lives and our time and our energy on, those things will be added when we seek him first. But you lose your life when you, you constantly run and you seek after those very things. That's what Paul said. He said, man, I consider it garbage. 
Like I've taken out all the titles, all the successes, all of my religious superiority, everything, all of my academia, all my training, and I take it out to the dumpster because all I really wanna know is Jesus Christ. Some of you today, you need to give up some things that you've been trying to impress people with in order to pursue the most important thing. Maybe the Holy Spirit is speaking to some of you, you need to delete your Instagram because you're running around on social media and you're spending so much time and then you say to yourself, well, I have no time to sit in my chair. You have no time to sit in your chair because your device and your thumbs are constantly scrolling. Maybe for some of you, you need to stop overspending. You're buying cars and clothes to impress people who really don't care about you and you're spending so much so that you're gonna impress people into a financial crisis. And then you're gonna come to church and you're gonna wanna be on the prayer chain and you're gonna wanna say, man, everything is broke in my life. I'm in a financial crisis. And you can stop that right now when you stop trying to impress people and start knowing what God and who God says you are in Christ. It's the most important thing. It's the most important thing. It's the most important thing. So today is Palm Sunday, right? Palm Sunday is marked by a, an entry. It's called the triumphal entry of Jesus, which if you think about it, that's a paradox because how could Jesus triumph over Rome when he hung on a cross? How could he die like a criminal even though he reigns like a king? It's a paradox, isn't it? But you have to take into consideration what kingdom Jesus was trying to establish. If you look at John 18, 36, Jesus says these words, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight. They would fight to do what? To prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. My kingdom is not of this world. I'm establishing the kingdom of God. Therefore, on Palm Sunday, when Jesus came into Jerusalem, he was accurate and the biblical authors under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit are accurate in calling it the triumphal entry of Jesus because he was establishing the kingdom of God. It was breaking into human history. You know, in the midst of this radical new Messiah and what Jesus was bringing from heaven to earth for the three years of his life and then punctuated by the cross and resurrection, he wasn't oblivious to Rome and people's expectations. That's what Jesus is so amazing to me. He's so aware of people's expectations and his obligation as a citizen of Rome. In fact, one time when people were pressing him on paying taxes, here's what he said as a citizen of Rome. In Luke chapter 20, Jesus said, then give back to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. In other words, make sure you do your Christian responsibility as a citizen of Rome. Don't try to cheat the government. The same is true for us as citizens of the United States of America. One of our responsibilities is to vote. And I don't know if you know this, but Tuesday is a critical vote when it comes to Wisconsin Supreme Court justice. And you know, we need to exercise. I'm not telling you how to vote. I'm telling you, you need to vote because your voice has power when you vote. And if you choose not to vote, then please don't complain. Speaking of our nation, as 
we all know by now, last week, on Monday, Nashville suffered a tremendous loss. Six victims killed at school. Three, the ages of nine years old. One was a pastor's daughter. I was lamenting that reality this week in my own prayer time. What's it like for that pastor and his family this Sunday? Obviously, friends, this grieves the heart of God. Obviously, like you, you've been praying like me, and we've been praying for those families, and we need to continue to do that. But more in praying, I'm so happy to be a part of a church that is generous because this week we're gonna send several thousand dollars on behalf of Pathways Church to support the funeral expenses for those three children. So when we say like, you're not giving to Pathways, you're giving through Pathways, that's a true statement, friends. We don't just say that because it's a cute little axiom that you throw on the closing host slot video. We say that because we believe that the kingdom of God has come through Jesus Christ and it's our sole responsibility to take the message of Jesus here, there, and everywhere. And he does it through churches like Pathways. Amen? Okay, so Jesus is getting ready to go into the city of Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, and he stops just outside the city. He stops at the Garden of Gethsemane. At the Garden of Gethsemane, if you remember, this is where he prays this prayer. He is so burdened with the fact that he knows he's on a collision course with the cross. And so he prays, his capillaries actually burst, sweats, uh, 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 drops of, of blood, where the sweat glands would happen. He was bleeding. He was so, the, 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 the burden of sin and the cross. And he said, Father, if it is possible, please take this cup. Please take this cup. And he comes to the point where he says, Father, not my will, but your will, your will be done. So after he settles this in his heart, he's going to make a short trip into the village. But he says to his disciples, he says, he says, why don't you go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you're going to find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. In other words, Jesus says, hey, I'm going to need a little baby tiny horse to ride in. I need a little baby horse to ride in to Jerusalem. Notice, <laughs> He's going to take this horse right down Main Street, right down College Avenue. If you're online, that's kind of like our Main Street here in Appleton. He's riding down, can you imagine, College Avenue on a baby horse. Now, friends, I don't know about you, but if it were me, I would have chosen a much different kind of horse. It would have been a war horse. It would have been a hype beast. It would have been something. Man, you know what I would have done? You know, I thought about it this week. Do you know what I would have came in on? I would have came in on a Mustang. And I'm not talking about a horse. I'm talking about a Mustang GT. I would have unveiled a car. I would have come drifting down Jerusalem like, they would have been like, what is going on? Oh, it would have been dope. I would have just... I would have got out and be like, hey, what's up? Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest, palm branches. I know. <laughs> what y'all suckers think? They call me Messiah. Now you see my Mustang. Y'all didn't believe me. You want to ride? 
<laughs> it's so good that I'm not Jesus. Do you know how many times I've rewritten parables and gospel stories based on how I would do it? Oh, man. You guys would be at another church. Anyways. <laughs> but watch this paradox. He who created the world needs something in the world he created to make an entrance. To even say that Jesus needs something is a paradox. <laughs> Jesus doesn't need anything. He spoke it all into existence. A baby horse, a colt. He said, I'm going to ride into the city like a humble king, not like some arrogant, prideful individual, but I'm coming as a, as a humble king. And he's saying this. He's saying, you know, I want to use something that's never been ridden on. I wonder if God brought somebody here today because he wants to untie you from some of your negative thought patterns. He wants to untie you from some of your, your tapes internally. He wants to untie you from some of your destructive habits in order for you to usher in his presence, not only into your life, but into the different places and spaces that God has appointed for you. I wonder. I wonder if Jesus is saying, you know what? I want to use you. I will ride in on you. Isn't that a cool thought? Man, if we could just be like a baby little tiny horse. God will use anything. If you're available and open, God will use you in some beautiful ways. That's a part of the progress. All right, here's point number two. Write it down, it's important. Uh, it may not be impressive to people, but this is really important when we talk about spiritual progress. The paradox of progress always begins, awareness, awareness precedes change. Awareness precedes change. And you know what provides awareness for you and me? It's humility. Prideful people typically aren't people who are aware. But awareness brings about the kind of change that God does inside of us. And this is a supernatural thing. This is where the Holy Spirit will make connections in your life. And you can't really begin to put it together until you get humble, until you get to the place where you say, like, God, I am so broken and messy and I need you in my life. I don't care if you've been serving Jesus for 32 years or for three minutes. What does the Bible say? God opposes the proud, but he gives what? Grace to the humble. Listen, friends, I don't want to do anything that's going to be in opposition to God. And you know what's in opposition to God? Our pride. God says, listen, humility is the very quality in which I will make you aware. Aware of what's going on around you. Aware of what's going on in you. And an awareness of a certain level of perseverance to keep your eye fixed on the ball of saying, I want what is most important. So you don't get sidetracked. I mean, this is what Paul says after all in verse 14, listen to his words. I press on to the goal, the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. What he's saying, friends, is he's saying, I know about my past and I know what was impressive to people or what I thought was impressive to people. But what is important is that I continue to pursue Jesus Christ. 
that my progress, and I know it's not a perfectly straight line, I know it's right and left and backward and forward and up and down, and I get knocked down and I gotta get up and I feel like I'm not making any progress, but Paul says, when you are aware, it brings the change needed for you to move forward, to press on. It's a certain kind of endurance. It's a certain kind of of tenacity. This is what Paul is talking about. But all that comes when we're aware of what's happening in us and around us. Point number three, celebrate your steps to your cross. Celebrate your steps to your cross. Some of you are like, Adam, what what are you talking about? My cross? I thought Jesus hung on the cross. Yeah, he did. And I thought, because Jesus hung on the cross, therefore, I'm not going to have to carry a cross. I thought there was really no, like, suffering for me. I thought it was going to be a lot easier for me now that I place my faith in Jesus. Well, let me tell you what the gospel really means. The gospel means that you won't suffer because of your sin, and you're not going to suffer because of what is due to you through the wrath of God. So sin and the sin nature, that's removed. It's broken. But what you are going to suffer, where you are going to carry something, is called your cross. Listen to the words of Jesus. He says it this way. Whoever wants to be my, say that next word. Yeah. Whoever wants to be my, whoever wants to be a cultural Christian, whoever wants to be a check the box kind of person, whoever wants to be like, oh yeah, me and Jesus, I'm a fan of Jesus. Mm -mm. Whoever wants to be my, my disciple, a true follower, they must do what? Deny themselves and take up their cross down daily and follow me. Meaning that there are some things in your life that you're going to have to carry as you progress from one point to the next point in your spiritual walk and journey with Jesus Christ. And friends, we don't talk about that much, but that's a reality of spiritual growth. It's a part of the paradox. I'm free and yet I'm carrying something. I got salvation, yet I get tripped up. And yet it's through our failures that we succeed in finding the grace and the strength to continue to grow in Jesus. It's the very thing. That's why I think I shared with you last week, Paul prayed three times. He said, would you remove this thorn from my side, this thorn in my flesh? And what did Jesus say to him? Listen, I'm not gonna do that because my grace is made perfect in your weakness. In your weakness, I am strong. The same is true. When you carry that cross, I'll I'll shoulder that cross with you because I carried one before you. Now listen to this verse, verse 24. Jesus goes on and he says, forever who wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. That's deep, Pathways Church. Right there, that verse right there is so profound. You wanna save your life, Jesus says, why don't you lose it? Lose it to what? Lose it to who? Lose it to Jesus. Lose it to... Learn to be a disciple such that your whole life is informed. Your thoughts, your attitudes, your words, your actions, every area of your life is informed by the lordship of Christ. 
So that when you leave and you walk out, it's no longer like, oh yeah, I did the church thing. No, now I get to follow Jesus Monday through Saturday because he's the Lord over all. And now I'm losing my life for his ways. Read him, talk to him, sit with him, converse with him, daydream with him, be with Jesus. Why? Because what you think about, this is pure brain psychology. What you think about most is what begins to inform and transform your mind. And psychology is only already discovering what Paul wrote in Romans chapter 12. It's through the renewing of your mind, the transforming of your mind that you become more like Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen. So, in a moment, we're going to close, but can I share with you something that, if you're like me, I think you'll identify with, and if this isn't true for you, that's okay, but it's true for me. Do you know who the hardest person for me to identify spiritual growth in is? Me. You know what I'm talking about? I can see it in my kids. I can see it in my wife. I can see it in many of you. Man, when I see spiritual growth in you, it just, you have no idea as a pastor, it just makes me so satisfied. Like, when I see you guys being great parents, it just, oh. When I see the generations that have gone before us still passionate and praying and believing for revival, do you know what that does for me? Do you know what it does when I hear of single college students living for the Lord or or kids who are getting baptized, or like there is just such a, and you know what? It should do that for you because we're the body of Christ. It's a one another kind of thing, right? When we say, oh, that's growth. Yes, in fact, we should learn how to encourage one another with spiritual psalms and singing and prayers so that we spur, Hebrews 10 says, we spur one another on toward love and good deeds, toward growth. Like when I call you and I say, will you help me with this? And you say, of course. And not only let me help you, but boop, 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 boop. And I get off the phone and I think, man, I'm so glad that they're a part. He's a part of my life to counsel me and to help me in an arena. Like that's incredible to me. But when I look at me sometimes, I think, daggone it. Are you even growing, Adam? Sometimes I felt like, do you just do this because this is all you know and you've been doing it for 22 years? Sometimes your pastor feels like, I get this little bit of like, am I an imposter? Do I have an imposter syndrome? I know some of you are freaking out right now, like, man, we gotta pray for a pastor. Is he having a psychotic break? No. But I, I do have sometimes, am I growing You know, one of the questions I ask myself is this. When I was a young youth pastor, I used to ask myself this question. Would I do this if no one else did it? Would I follow? Would I carry my cross? Would I reach out to that kid? Would I pray for them? Would I take a big giant step of faith? And here's what I want to encourage you with is what Jesus encouraged me with this past week. Because I saw this verse in some fresh eyes that I've never seen before. Let, let me read it to you. Verse 16 of Philippians 3, Paul writes this, only, 
let us live up to what we have already attained. That's a paradox. Let us live up to. Everybody say up to. You're up to something you've already attained. Why didn't obtain it? Yeah, I know, Jesus attained it. But he's attained it on your behalf, and so you can live up to, the way I like to say it is, you can live into who God has already called you to be. So that in the midst of saying, man, am I growing? I wanna grow. I don't know if I'm growing. I'm still struggling. I'm still battling. Why do I do this? You know, Paul was like this. The thing I, I don't wanna do, I do, and the things that I love, I hate, I always end up doing. Like you talk about, woo, that's the Apostle Paul, friends. And then you know what Paul says? Listen, Christ has already attained this. You live into that by obedience and faith. Knowing this, my favorite verse in the entire Bible is Philippians 1.6. Being confident of this, that he who called you will be faithful to complete the work in you until the day of Christ Jesus, meaning until Jesus returns or you die and go be with him. Jesus is carrying and completing the spiritual growth and the progress inside of your life. Amen? So with that being said, I want to encourage you. I wanna encourage you, some of you today, you're discouraged, and I wanna encourage you and say, you know what? You're gonna be the grandparent that God has called you to be. That, that, that forgiveness issue, this next season, you're gonna forgive that person and it'll finally be over. That rough marriage that you went through, that divorce, listen, there's hope on the other side of that. That physical pain that you're fighting, the anxiety that is just stressing you out in your mind, God's gonna give you the resources and he's gonna help you, whether that's growing and reading, whether that's praying and learning, whatever that is. I wanna encourage you today that you are growing and that you are making process, uh, progress and you don't need to buy the lies of the enemy and to beat yourself up in Jesus' name. So with that being said, would you bow your hearts with me today? Let's pray together. God, I know that when we talk about spiritual growth, we struggle. <laughs> and progress, God, isn't pretty. Progress, when it comes to spiritual growth, it, it feels like it's <laughs> like three yards in a cloud of dust. Two steps forward, one step back. Whatever cliche it is, it applies in this arena of life because Growth in you, oof. Some ways it's effortless. In some ways, it's so much focus and intentionality. And it seems like, at least my experience is, God, the, the longer I do it, the harder it is. <laughs> Thought it was supposed to get easier, but I guess that's the paradox of progress. Should be easy by now, but it's not. Man, God, I've forgiven that person 791 times before, and yet I still have bitterness in my heart. And Jesus, what I believe you would say to us is forgive them again 70 times seven, over and over until it's over. God, I pray 
especially for believers here today who've been buying into the lie of the enemy that they're not growing because I believe they are growing. I believe just them being here in this room or online is evidenced by the desire for them to have growth in you. Just by them showing up and saying, God, I, I want to continue to progress in my walk with you. If you're here today and you need me to pray for you because you feel discouraged, you feel like you're not growing. I haven't done this in a very long time, but I did this first service and it was a beautiful, it was a beautiful moment. And I believe that the Holy Spirit would have us do this again in this service. If you're here today and you feel discouraged, you feel like you're not growing, and by faith, you wanna be, begin to believe what God is saying to you, would you just stand up all across this room? If that's you today, you feel a little discouraged and you want to believe that there is growth, yep, thank you. Yeah, thank you, yeah, thank you. Yeah. Beth, you are growing, there's progress. Dan, Amy, there's progress. Mike and Wendy, progress. I believe it. Cheryl, there's progress. Yes, yes, progress. I believe it. Now, if you're around somebody and you feel so inclined, you don't have to touch them unless it's your husband or wife or son or daughter, but if you would just extend a hand toward them if you feel comfortable, just as a sign of agreement, as the body of Christ, just extend a hand toward them and let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray for every believer who's standing by faith saying, I've been believing a lie and today I just, I'm trusting that you're gonna grow me. Soften my heart, tender my spirit so that I might have ears like Samuel. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Do that all across this room right now, Jesus. Speak, speak. God, now I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. You're here today, you're watching online, and perhaps you've never made a decision to place your life, your faith, your trust in Jesus Christ. Today's your day. If you're online today and you wanna give your life to Jesus Christ, you can drop it in the chat. If you're watching on Facebook, you can call the church office or email us at info at pathwayschurch.us. Please tell somebody that you're in the room with. If you are in this room, though, in this space, I wanna give you an opportunity to do that. Here's what Jesus does for us. Because he hung on that cross and he came back to life, which we're gonna celebrate this Friday and next Sunday, the reality is that he now has the victory and the power over sin and death, amen? And so the Bible says that we are dead in our trespasses and our sins, but when we acknowledge and confess and repent, Jesus exchanged exchanges our dead lives for new ones, our blindness for sight, our darkness for his light. So if you're here today and you wanna make a decision for Jesus Christ, maybe you've kind of slid, you've drifted away from Jesus, or today, maybe it's your first time. It's like, man, I want this Jesus. Wow, I, I need to surrender my life to him. If that's you here today and you wanna make that decision, 
Then on the count of three, I just want you to raise your hand and I'll acknowledge you and then you can put it right back down. One, two, three. Yep, all the way in the back, yep. Yep, yep. Anybody else? Yes, over here, thank you. Yes, thank you. Okay. Would you bow with me and as a church family, can we pray this prayer out loud together, in full voice together. Heavenly Father, we love you. Thank you for your goodness in our lives. Even when life is not good and we're not good, your grace is there for us. Thank you for the free gift of salvation. Today I receive you, Jesus, by repenting of my sin. I'm sorry, I was wrong. Forgive me. Now come into my life and grow me for your glory. In Jesus' name. And everyone who agreed with this prayer, shout it. Amen. Amen. Hey, can we celebrate individuals today who gave their lives to Jesus Christ? That's so exciting. So, so exciting. Yeah, that's good. That's so good, so good.